On this episode of Driven Too Far, we're continuing our conversation with co-creator Mark Morell of the Best Fleets to Drive For program, and we're talking about culture and what it's done to the industry. Hello, I'm Andrew Winkler, and this is Driven Too Far, the truth about trucking, a podcast that helps over-the-road truck drivers balance career and family. I'm curious about the word culture. Is that getting a little stale? It seems like we throw that word around a lot. <laughs> that's a, yeah, that's a, that's a good one. Um, the reality is that everybody has a culture, whether they like it or not, or whether they want to or not. Uh, every workplace has a culture, which is really just the ways people end up interacting with each other, the ways they end up working. You know, somebody said uh, the culture is how people behave when you're not looking. You know, it's not just about how they're being managed, but how they kind of treat things and handle situations. Um, I, yeah, it's no, I don't think it's it's getting uh, overdone. I think it's something that people need to think about. I think it's something that you don't you, you, you can't easily just go and create. You can't say, all right, we're going to create a good culture, you know, and then we're going to do these three things and it's going to be a great culture. It doesn't work like that. It's like companies that hire a retention manager. I don't know what a retention manager is supposed to do, but that person is never going to fix retention issues because they're pervasive. They're always things that affect everybody. And culture is the same kind of thing. Culture is going to happen no matter what. You create the culture that you want by modeling the behavior that you want and by establishing processes to ensure that things get addressed and that management knows what it's doing and that there's consistency and communication and all of those things will create a culture and i think companies that have great cultures often don't talk about it so that may be the part that's getting a little bit overdone is people just talking about it all the time without actually doing anything about it if i'm a driver in the industry uh, why should I care about the Best Fleets program? What has it done for the industry? Uh, if I'm looking for a job, how do I find the Best Fleets to drive for? And why does it matter? There are a lot of things. So first, generally, what I've seen of this industry is that drivers go about finding a job completely the wrong way. And it's been sort of this a spiral of death in terms of how recruiting works is that drivers are conditioned to only look at price. You know, the, the first question they ask when you go to, you know, when they come up to the counter is, what are you paying? How much can I make here? Well, you can make a lot. You can make a lot everywhere, but are you going to want to do that work? You know, in no other position do you start with, how much do I make? You wouldn't hire a dispatcher, and that's the first and only part of the conversation. So that's a little bit backwards. So I think in order to really sort of solve that, we need to get drivers to understand what they really should be looking for when they're looking for a company that's going to be a fit for them. Similarly, on the carrier side, there's a lot of this focus on just hire fast. You've got to keep that truck seated, keep it moving. And that's wrong as well, because then you're not getting somebody who's a good fit who's going to stick around. So one of the things that we have really focused on with the Best Fleets program is to talk about why these companies are making the list. What makes them a good place to work? There are all kinds of different things that people are doing that get them on the list. And there are all kinds of different companies that are on that list. There are small companies, huge companies, public, publicly traded, privately held, flatbed, you know, drive-in, short haul, long haul. 
you can't just say, oh, I'm a driver. I want to go and work for a best fleet. Well, what kind of work do you want to do? Do you want to do long haul flatbed or do you want to do short haul dry van? Very different jobs. So you got to think about what kind of work do you want to do? Where do you want to go? What kind of organization are you looking for? So what drivers should be caring about with the best fleets program is that it gives them information. It kind of gives them that language as well and, and uh, what to look for and how to evaluate a good company. I think that anybody who's been a best fleet and even anybody that's been a finalist, think about what we were talking about before, about what it takes to even get to that finals. Anybody that makes it into the finals is putting in a lot of effort and they've got a sufficiently satisfied workforce that those people will participate in a survey and they've got probably reasonable safety uh, and, and retention numbers. You should be looking at any one of those. Anybody who's got that Best Leads finalist logo or top 20 and certainly a, you know overall winner or Hall of Fame, those are all companies that are putting a lot of effort into what they're doing for their drivers. So as a driver, you've got a ton of choice just there. You know, Think about the region, the type of work, all of that kind of stuff and start thinking about um, what it is that matters to you. Are you interested in somebody who is just going to focus on keeping rolling all the time and making a lot of money and not really giving you any options to grow in your career? Or are you looking for somebody that's going to help you grow and develop and have a longer term career and uh, maybe you're not making as much as you possibly could, but you're having a better quality of life? You know, there are a lot of different things that drivers should be thinking about. And through the Best Fleets program, we talk about all of those things to try and give people a sense that there's there's a good company for everybody. And one Best Fleet may be perfect for you to work at and another Best Fleet may be terrible for you. It all depends on what you're after. So think about that. And I mean, the money, everybody's paying roughly the same. There's not these massive differences in base rates and things. And if you were finding the right work, you're going to do fine on compensation. Thank you for with saying that. The, with the understanding that compensation in trucking sucks. There's no good compensation in trucking. It's all within the same range. But, you know, it's, yeah, I, I'm, I know drivers are going to hear this and you're going to be screaming, wow, we need to be paid more. We need to be paid more. Absolutely. I think the challenge on that is not so much um, that compensation is inherently a problem. It's that there is not an economic model that makes it feasible for somebody with 20 years experience to be paid substantially more than somebody with five years experience. That's the challenge that all of the fleets that we talk to are struggling with is how do we effectively recognize those experienced senior people and still maintain a viable business. So that's where I come back to the money will sort itself out, find a good culture, and you'll be fine. Yeah, I, pre- I said culture. I, okay. I, I, Let me I, rephrase that. I, find a company that's a good fit for you, and the money will work itself out. I appreciate you saying that. I, uh, I've i kind of said the same thing for years. Uh, you do. You get. We've got ads out there on social media and stuff, and the message that comes across from the drivers is always, what's it pay? That's, what, that's how it always starts. And um, sometimes they're so lazy – they they won't even like research your company so it's like where are y'all located type thing and it's like man it just it baffles me that they would respond to an ad that way or wouldn't at least do a little bit of research to find out more um but yeah one of the early podcasts i did on on driven too far was uh some of the questions you should be asking 
the recruiters and how to approach mm-hmm. the recruiters. It, and it wasn't about money. It was about no. everything you just said. It was about the culture and making sure it was the right fit. Because you're right, at the end of the day, the pool of money we have in the company to pay our drivers, it's roughly the same from carrier to carrier. Mm-hmm. So the culture is truly the differentiator in my book. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 100%. I uh, distinctly remember here, uh, it's probably been two years ago, but um, you know, as I'm flipping through social media myself, I come across... Uh, some things in the industry. And I, I remember this guy who was, a, I'm going to call him a YouTube influencer. Can't even remember his name, but I do remember uh, watching a few of his videos. He did a really good job trying to answer questions for new drivers into the industry. So I admired him for that. There was a question on there that somebody had asked him, what's this best fleets thing all about? And I remember his response because it, it upset me and, and I actually responded to him. But he says, that's just paid advertisement. That doesn't mean anything. Have you heard that before? And, and what would you say to something like that? Yeah, I think I know the video you're talking about. It <laughs> irritated me because I'm like, who's getting paid? Because I'm sure not. Right. Uh, um, yeah, I, I actually uh, I mailed that guy and said, I'd love to talk to you about this. This is not how the program works. I'd love to go through it. He didn't respond. Um, that does come up. Uh, I remember there was yeah one comment on a driver board you know earlier on where um, we were given out the overall awards and um, you know we have sponsors for the overall awards to offset the cost of that and the sponsor was um, you know to get their picture with the uh, overall award winner and as it happens the award winner had bought some of the product from the sponsor. And so that was the comment. So, oh, yeah, you buy the product and get the award. And I'm like, you're not even talking about us. We do all the work on this. Somebody else is getting all the credit. Um, yeah, uh, there is, there's really no way to buy your way onto the list. Uh, we've had people that have suggested, you know, people that uh, you know, talk about uh, you know, they're going to sign up for our service, our our main business is uh, is a driver training service, and there's people that say, "Oh yeah, we're going to get signed up. We've got to get signed up with you guys." And every year we're like, "You don't have to. It doesn't matter. We have some people that are customers. We have many that aren't, and so it really doesn't matter." And there are times where people go into the program as customers, thinking that it's going to help them, and they will mention our product 500 times in the questionnaire, <laughs> it doesn't help. It makes no difference. Uh, so there's no way to get on there. We've also had people threaten us uh, when they're not on there. That also doesn't help. Um, so the numbers are the numbers. Um, so that process that I went through about how we add them up, we go through a scoring process. And the way we do it uh, at the scoring side is even though we will have one person who is designated as your interviewer, Uh, each interviewer will have 20 different companies that they do interviews uh, with. And so it's sort of, you know, um, set up that way. But when it comes to the scoring, it's flipped around and each person will be scoring all of the answers for a single question. So it really doesn't matter if you did an interview with somebody and you happen to like them. And, you know, even if you wanted to sort of give them extra points because you interviewed them, you really can't because you're looking at 90 answers to one question and you're going to spend half a day answering, figuring out that 
uh, question and the scoring for it, and then you're going to go on to a different question. Somebody else is doing another batch of questions. So it's totally disconnected, and it just ends up being this massive pool of questions. I think this year there was over 5,000 questions that we had to score, and we have a week to do it. So it all just becomes a blur. So even if we wanted to kind of put our thumb on the scale for somebody that we happen to like, we couldn't, it wouldn't make any difference. At the end of it, it's just this pile of numbers. It gets fed into the formula and the winners come out. And we are surprised every year by that number. You know, who's in there? There's always people that were like, oh, okay, I thought they were doing well and, you know, it's good to see, or they didn't do as well as I thought they were going to, or there's always surprises every year and who makes it and who doesn't. So uh, there really is no way to buy your way onto the list. Well, the way to buy your place on the list is to put that money into internal programs, to communicating with Do the work, yeah. Well, and it it really isn't, it's one of those things, it's kind of like um, somebody saying, you know, how do you get in shape for a Marvel movie? Well, it's simple but hard. Uh, you know, there's like three things that you have to do, but they're really hard to do. And this is kind of the same thing where it's not really that difficult. It's talk to your drivers and figure out what they like and what they don't like, then do those things. Then tell them that you're doing those things. End of list. And every company that makes it onto the top 20 does that. They collaborate with their drivers. They figure out what drivers like and don't like. They work together to find solutions to these problems and come up with a plan they implement it together, then they evaluate how it's working and not working, and then they get together again and make changes accordingly. That's the recipe for success. You do that, you're going to be on the best fleet's top 20 every year. But that's hard work to do it. It it is a lot of hard work. And I, um, you know, for any doubters that might be out there about the process or the program, I'm just telling you, talk to somebody that's done the work. Um, I stress about it every year. And you know the the couple years here when I was with Chief uh, that we didn't hadn't made the list yet. Um, you know it's work in progress. You're constantly looking, tweaking, working on things. And I don't know if the drivers always see what you're working on in the background. Uh, we certainly try to communicate and be transparent with those things. And then once you make the top twenty, you don't want to fall off that thing. So you're going to put in just as more as much, or if not more, work. Uh, to to try to stay there and stuff you it's this feeling that you're you're a leader in the industry you're doing some things right uh, your peers are seeing it your drivers are seeing it and and that's really what we're after at the end of the day yeah hundred uh, percent let's talk about the future of best fleets uh, is it is it fifteen years now we just finished our fifteenth year yeah. yeah so what's it look like in the future does it um, one of the things you had to add here in the last couple of years was the Hall of Fame. Talk about that a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, that was a really nice addition. It, I, it was something that had been shaping up to be necessary for uh, a few years. And what we saw is that when fleets get to a certain level and they're kind of operating at a certain performance level, they tend to stay there. I mean, this just becomes the way you operate as a business. The things that you're doing are your processes, the way you organize your company and your your teams and things. That's just the way you do business. And once you get to that level, you're incrementally adding things each year. 
you're going to stay at a level that puts you in the best fleets, you know, top 20 each year. They tend to stay there. And that's great. We want to recognize those people that are continuing to make that effort and recognize them for all the things that they're doing for their drivers. But the reality is, if there's only 20 spots, then there's a bunch of people that aren't going to make it as a result. And it's getting to the point where the difference between that spot number 20 and spot number 21 might be a half a percentage point on their final score. So can we really argue that that company number 21 isn't a good place to work? Like it was getting to that point where we're looking at these people that are just missing it. It's like, there's really nothing wrong here. There's just not enough spots. But what we didn't want to do is say, okay, well now it's a top 40 or now it's a top 50 or something like that. Because what if next year there really isn't 40? What if there's really only 28? And you don't want to have it's the top 28 this year and the top 30 next year or the top 25 after that. Then it just becomes crazy. But the reality is there was a bunch of people that were sort of clustered there in a particular spot that were steady, that were not moving. And why don't we move them into another level where we recognize that continued performance, move them into a Hall of Fame, which covers a couple of things. First, it recognizes them for that continued sustained effort. Second, it opens up a few spaces where some of these people that are really working hard and have just missed just because of a numbers thing, um, they now have a better chance of getting in there. And I tell you, it was such a right move to make because the first year we had the Hall of Fame, there was eight of the regular uh, people that made it in there. And the Hall of Fame was not easy. You have to be on the best fleets for 10 consecutive years, which on its own is a real accomplishment, or seven years plus an overall win. That's a pretty major accomplishment. That's somebody who's figured it out and is continuing to raise the bar every year to stay in the game. So that was really nice to recognize their sustained effort. But at the same time, that opened up eight new spaces. So we had a very different looking top 20, totally different overall winners, which was another thing that we're conscious of. We don't want to have the same people as overall winners all the time. Uh, so this way we get some new overall winners in there. And um, this year when we did it, uh, all of the last year's Hall of Fame requalified. They have to requalify every year. They can't just rest on their laurels. Uh, so they have to keep going through that grind. And all eight of them did and they requalified and we had two new ones that entered. So it's a nice way to keep the top 20 fresh, to bring in some new uh, people to the top 20 and the overall winners. But at the same time, I think it also encourages people to stick with it. This is something that we see happen or we used to see happening. It was kind of discouraging as people go through the process a few years and they don't make it. And eventually they kind of give up. It's like, well, we don't have any shot of it. You know, it's always going to be those same people on there and we don't have any shots. So why bother? And uh, as one of the um, one of the Hall of Famers put it really nicely, um, you know, that's that's disappointing because when they drop out is when they stop improving. You know, they stop participating, they stop making that effort and that doesn't really help anybody. So by adding the Hall of Fame, I think it gives us more options, more space for people to have that effort and have a chance to get rewarded for it. So. I've been really happy about it. We will definitely keep the Hall of Fame going. It's likely going to continue growing. Um, I, I'm sure there's somebody who's going to be saying, hey, can we get a different trophy that's five years in the Hall of Fame? Can we have a best overall Hall of Fame? 
it's getting to be quite a lot, but uh, um, it, it was definitely a positive addition and we're looking forward to continuing that in the future for sure. Yeah, I know. I appreciate it. I, I remember last year uh, being on the stage for the top 20 and I believe it was Garner that got it last year for small carrier. And I just remember thinking to myself, man, how am I going to beat those guys? They run such a solid program over there and do a great job. And and thankfully, <laughs> thankfully they moved to the Hall of Fame. So it, it opened a door and uh, we were fortunate enough to step in there this year. But uh, the competition is fun. I just truly enjoy it. And it's so fun when you go to convention and uh, you get to talk to these other carriers and stuff. Everybody's kind of wide open about it. Um, you're performing at similar levels and, and it's just a, I think it's really elevated the industry as a whole. So uh, great job to you and Jane. I truly appreciate all you guys do for the, the industry and what you've done. Uh, I definitely think you're, you're moving it forward and I hope you don't stop anytime soon. Okay. Well, thanks. Thanks for joining us today on the podcast. Don't forget to go to driventofar.com and leave us a message and we'll address it on future episodes of the podcast.